Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. Powered by the Montana Electric Cooperative Association. Your Montana Electric Cooperative. They do much more than keep the lights on for you. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Well, I'll tell you what, I think the last time we had uh, Congressman Ryan Zinke on the show with us, he joined us for the full hour, took phone calls and so much more. I think he was even in studio for that one, and that's always fun. But today we're going to do a quick update uh, kicking off this show here with Montana Congressman Ryan Zinke, especially uh, as we talk about uh, the the border security negotiations ongoing on Capitol Hill. Uh, Congressman, uh, great to have you on the phone lines with us from the Capitol. But I'll tell you what, if you were here in person, you know, last week at the SHOT Show in Las Vegas, your good friend, the the former Norwegian Special Operations Commander, the Norwegian General Magna Rudol, he brought us some Norwegian chocolate. You could be enjoying some of that right now if you were with us in studio. You know, I, I believe me, I would love to be there, Vice, Vice DC, but every, every person to their station, uh, you know, in D.C., I, I think I think Montanans realize it's a mess. Uh, it's un, it's unhelpful if we if we don't work together on, on on things. But you know, the border is, I would say, from a seal perspective, it's the five meter target. That's that's the threat. Uh, the border is fixable. And here's what I don't understand. You know, we went through the appropriation process. And we had a great border bill. It had HR two. It had which is which is you know a lot of it's constructed by Chip Roy on the front line in Texas. So I, I think if you want to shut down the border, that's a good border. And, and what the bill did is it empowered the border patrol to do their job. It, it uh, when people come across, you got to process them in a third country. It empowered ICE to do their job. And by and large, when people ask me what the bill looked like, I said the, the bill looked like about 800 miles and about 32 feet tall. You know, if you want to shut down the border, you need a wall. You need to empower the, the people that are there to do their job. And and a, a lot of it, quite frankly, Aaron, is this: is this president? There's 64 things that the, the executive can do to shut down the government. He's relaxed or went south in about 32 of them. And he has the power to shut down the border. The law is in the side. Trump did it. Even even despite, uh, as soon as President Trump, you know, did something on the border, he had he had the judicial side, you know, from even Hawaii, you know, put holds on it. But the the, the president himself has a lot of power to follow the law. Uh, this this administration is not doing it. There there are things that we that the Congress should do to force him. But at the end of the day, if you have a lawless president. Uh, for Congress to, to force uh, is, 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 a, is, a, is a tough lift. That's right. I mean, not only did Joe Biden terminate Remain in Mexico, the successful program uh, that was implemented by President Trump, Joe Biden signed, what was it, 94 executive orders to open up the floodgates of this illegal immigrant invasion of America. And now we've got what sounds like a sham of a border bill being pushed in the U.S. Senate. Want to get uh, Congressman Ryan Zinke's take on that. I know Senator Daines is is asking some serious questions about about that bill as well. Uh, So more to follow right after this. This is where Montana talks. Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. 
All right, I thought we were going to wrap at 20 after, but we're going to go till 30 after. So uh, we'll get the conversation rolling, and then maybe after the 20 break, we can sneak in a quick phone call here, catching up with Montana Congressman Ryan Zanke. Congressman, uh, talking about this so-called border bill that's developing in the United States Senate, I know there's uh, some Republican senators appear to be caving on a really bad border bill. I know Senator Steve Daines is asking some tough questions, uh, punching holes in, in this. Uh, but it sounds like you and, and the rest of the House Republicans are going to stand firm against it. Well, all right. if you go back uh, to even the Obama administration, I think the Secretary of, of Homeland said a thousand people would overwhelm the system. This bill has 5,000? So, so they're, they're not going to take any action and, and, and tell you're over 5,000 illegal immigrants for crossing this border, the answer should be zero. Zero. That's what makes sense. I mean, we have hundreds of people on the terrorist watch list that are they're escaping across. You know, and they're not all coming across from the southern border. You know, Montana, I keep telling people around here, Montana is the same size, and I'll use Conrad Burns' favorite saying, is it's from Washington, D.C. to Chicago plus two miles. And our northern border is a ditch. So, you know, we can't even stop a balloon that's two sizes of a bus going at three knots. Uh, so, you know, and, and again, the president has the authority and if you use existing laws, he's got a lot of latitude. This bill actually cements in some really, really bad policies. So I, I stand 100% firmly against it. I, I think we should take a hard stand on on uh, on, on our border and, and, and immigration policies. I, as you know, I, I sponsored a bill, which I got a lot of criticism from the left on, about stopping uh, the flow from Gaza. And Gaza is Hamas-led government, and, and you know, stopping the, the flow to, from zero of, of people that have a passport issued by the Palestinian Authority from Gaza, you know, uh, I, I think the risk is too great. Yeah, so, no, exactly um, right. Yeah, especially when we, we know that, that basically that all of the aid that's flown into the Gaza Strip and for the Palestinians there has has basically been consumed and used by the Palestinian terrorists, much like our taxpayer dollars going into the U.N. are funding terrorists uh, uh, there as well. You know, speaking of our own... You had, you had members of the U.N., uh, I, I believe that the number that I saw was, was 13 or 12, that were actually participated... There were U.N. employees in Gaza, and they participated in the atrocious acts of, 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 of October. So, you know, all stop. Yeah, speaking of, of borders, we'd like to see some more troops uh, able to secure our borders here in America. Sadly and tragically, we lost three American soldiers uh, brave Americans, uh, Army reservists out of Georgia, killed on the Jordanian-Syrian border over the weekend in another Iranian proxy attack. Two Navy SEALs, you're a Navy SEAL, two Navy SEALs uh, lost also in the fight against the Iranian proxy uh, uh, network, uh, uh, lost at sea. Uh, just uh, and It's just uh, real-world consequences of the continued failures of this administration. Well, my prayers go out to families. Uh, you know, I've lost uh, lost troops, and I know how hard it is. But, you know, this stems from a projection of weakness. 
from Afghanistan and how we rolled out of Afghanistan that led to Ukraine. Uh, the Ukraine, we have no plan. We have, we, we, we have no objectives that I've seen that are clear. Yeah, we're $130 billion into it. And I'm, I'm, I'm a Reagan Republican in, in that I do believe we should defend freedom, but no blank checks. Of course, now we have Israel that's being assaulted primarily by Iran. Uh, the Hezbollah, Hamas, the Houthis are all funded by Iran. We have China, Russia, and Iran doing joint military naval operations together in the Persian Gulf. We have Venezuela now that's that's uh, warming up on their neighbor, and we have Taiwan that's measuring or China measuring the drapes in Taiwan. And you know our military posture we're we're designed to fight one major regional conflict at one time and then hold in another. Uh, we are not configured uh, for four separate conflicts. We know it. Our our adversaries know it, and a lot of it has to do with the perceived weakness of this administration. And and in the case of Iran, we knew that Hamas was being funded by Iran. We knew we know that Hezbollah is, and we know the Houthis are. Uh, and 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 yet uh, we're allowing Iran. And this administration has circum has allowed Iran to circum circumnavigate tens of billions of dollars in sanctions, as well as they're still negotiating the Iranian nuclear deal. Yeah, all of the money that John Tester and Joe Biden sent their direction, the oil money. Uh, Donald Trump put a stop to that. Joe Biden got the oil money flowing again, and that's what's funding all of these attacks. Well, the Disney family in Libya asked me a good question. We got less than a minute to go before our break here, but they asked me a good question: Is doesn't doesn't our Pentagon have have plans in place to respond to this aggression uh, that's happening? These attacks, the, the killing of our troops, and, and anyway, what would your response be to them? Well, of course we do. We, uh, we have the capability to target, and I would probably target the Treasury building in, in Tehran. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to give them a respectful notice, but I said, you know what? You, you, you're going to mess with the U.S. There, 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 there's going to be a penalty. And, and we have troops that have died uh, as a result of weakness. Uh, and and that's, that's the only way I can, I can say it, Eric. And you can target their money in a non-kinetic way. You don't even need the DOD for that one. Uh, so why hasn't that already already happened? All right, more to follow with Congressman Ryan Zinke joining us uh, from Capitol Hill right after this for just a few more minutes. Then we'll take your phone calls and more and another guest coming up around 940. This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. All right. Well, this is great. Congressman Zinke is going to stay with us through our next break. So, so uh, hey, if you want to jump in on the conversation, 406-294-0970. I took advantage of that break to, to keep chatting with Congressman Zinke. You know, as an opportunity to catch up with a congressman from Capitol Hill with all the craziness going on back there. Uh, congressman Zinke, you made a really good point because, uh, you know, you were you were talking about how, look, uh, Speaker Johnson said it clearly and you stand with uh, him on this. Uh, this this sham of a border bill is dead on arrival. It does not secure our border. It just continues the invasion dead on arrival. But you made a good point, which is, hey, Senator Langford is a is a is a nice enough man. But why didn't they put one of the hawks on there like Ted Cruz or somebody like that to be the negotiator of a, of a border bill? I think that was a really good point you made. Well, I think on, on, on the border, it would be like someone negotiating wheat and barley, you know, from Alabama. 
I, I think I think Texas is pretty much dead center of this thing. Montana, we feel our share. Every state's a border state, but you got the cruise missile out there on on, the, on this one, and you got Chip Roy. Chip Roy is kind of the main author behind HR two. Uh, uh, I think Senator Cruz. Sometimes I call him a cruise missile. He's he's he's, he's, he's good on this issue, but I I think you nego you have to negotiate it from a point of view of, of the front line. You know, as a, as a naval commander, as a SEAL commander, you know, you always go to the front line to see what's going on. And 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 back in Washington D.C., oftentimes you 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 miss what you should be seeing because you're not there talking to border patrol agents. Again, I think the border is the solution. The border is look, you you process third country. You got to shut down the border. Uh, that's one of, that's one of the pillars. You got to empower the border patrol to do their job. And these are fine people. And, and, and if you, you let them do their job, they'll do their job. Yeah, and they want to do their right. job. They, they, they don't right. want to be removing right. the, the razor wire that Biden is ordering them to remove. All right, Congressman Zinke, hold that thought. Let's uh, sneak in some quick phone calls here. Uh, in fact, uh, speaking of the southern border, we've got Ed Walker on the phone lines. Uh, Ed, hey, did you have a quick question or comment? Thanks for calling in. Well, I just uh, I just have a comment, really, and I, today I'm releasing my 20-point plan on my website, walkerformontana.com. And, you know, Ryan Zinke alluded to this, which was, uh, you know, we have a crisis on the southern border, and that's getting the majority of the attention of the press. And that's for good reason, of course. But the security on the northern border is almost non-existent, and that also needs to be addressed. Uh, just, this, just this last year, in 2023 fiscal year, there was a record-setting 659 known or suspected terrorists that were apprehended uh, attempting to enter into the U.S. illegally. And of that, 432, or 66%, were captured at the northern border. That's a, that's a lot of terrorists who are attempting to cross at the northern border. That's and right. So we need to take a look at that as well. And how many and gotaways are there out there? How many gotaways are there out there as well? Ed Walker, thanks for calling in. Of course, Ed Walker, one of the uh, one of the uh, former Montana uh, state lawmakers who's announced a, a run for Congress in that eastern seat as well. Ed, thanks for calling in. Uh, let's see, before I get to a couple other callers on the phone lines, Congressman Zinke, I know you've been focused on the northern border. You mentioned it earlier, but you've actually got a task force that led by you and another congressman, if I recall, on that very issue. Well, it is, it is a, and, and, and great, great to hear from Ed. We were seatmates in the in, in Montana Senate, but I'm co co chairman of the Northern Border Caucus. And, and true, we don't have the the ponderance, uh, but what we have is extraordinarily dangerous. And you know, if if you want to take risks and come in the southern border, there is very little risk, quite frankly, coming our northern border as the terrorists, which is a higher end. Uh, illegal uh, illegal immigrants coming in is, is that if you if you look at it, Canada has almost open ended visa. You, you can get a visa very easy in Canada. And that, that, let's say you know you, you're you're talking you got to spend sixty five hundred dollars a coyote if you're going to come to the southern border. Well, you can take a first class flight to Calgary. You can stay in a nice hotel, get a nice rent a car, come across and walk over, and, and you'll save money. So, you know, the, the northern border has to be secured as well. You you can't leave the northern border open and secure the southern border. You have to secure the border and, quite frankly, to include our, our, our territories, which, you know, as a former Secretary of Interior, people forget about our territories, which are 
the Virgin Islands, uh, American Samoa, Tinea, Saipan, Guam, out there. You know, when people come into Guam and they're on 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 a, on a, on, a, on a flight, we got to make sure that that they are also secure, so they don't enter the, enter the mainland. Well, and, and, the, and, and in the Caribbean, with the with the massive communist Chinese uh, influence going on in that neck of the woods right now, and we know there's thousands of of Chinese crossing our border, military aged males. All right, Congressman Zinke, hold that thought. Let's go to uh, let's go to Rick in Billings uh, next up. Rick, did you have a quick question or comment? Yes, I did. Uh, I was just wondering if Tester was going to be going by the Joe Biden playbook when he gets elected again. In, in terms of, if you remember, in 2018, he was like Trump. Uh, he was behind, and I thought we had a new uh, Republican uh, senator at 10 o'clock news. It was announced that. Uh, he lost, and by 6 o'clock in the morning, they found thousands and thousands of new votes for Tester, and all of a sudden we had a, another Democrat senator. But nobody really looked into it because we still had the majority rule. Oh, so, yeah, so talking about the election of 2018, uh, well, it was a 20,000-vote margin. I know the biggest concern was out of Missoula County where they had uh, just some errors uh, that were found in an audit there. Uh, so, yeah, obviously Missoula County elections had some some challenges. All right, thanks thanks for the uh, phone call. Congressman Zinke, of course, uh, the, the one way that flip-flop, flat-top John Tester he, he's doing exactly what Joe Biden is doing. Now, Joe Biden, one year ago, Joe Biden refused to go to East Palestine, Ohio. Oh, but the election's right around the corner. So now he has to go pretend to care about the working man. Kind of like Tester. Well, there's always a difference between campaign John and Senator John. It's, it's amazing on, on the Senate side how conservative people all of a sudden become when they're in that final year. Uh, but but yet they can be completely different in the other five years. And I guess that's the advantage of the House of Representatives is you're good as your you're as good as your last vote. Uh, you're always in the campaign mode because you're running every two years. But that also forces you uh, to a degree. And I and I I love going out and talking to people and and you know being current and 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 being being what you are. Uh, rather than rather than you know playing you know, six years, I'm going to be something else for four or five years, and now I'm going to be a, a you know a, a conservative on the last run. So uh, ho- hopefully Montana has a long memory. Yeah. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, East Palestine, Ohio, Tim and Savage uh, joked around. He says, I- "I'm pretty sure Biden thought that he was." that his staff is sending him to go visit the Palestinians and give them a bunch of, of aid money. If he knew they were sending him to East Palestine, Ohio, he probably <laughs> probably wouldn't make the trip. I thought that was pretty funny. And then uh, one of our other listeners, Buck in the Shields Valley, says, uh, when Brandon goes to East Palestine, Hunter is going to tag along uh, because he thinks he'll get to see the Gaza strippers. <laughs> so, there you go. There you go. You always got to lighten some things up here as well. Let me sneak in one more caller. I know we're getting short on time with Congressman Zinke. Uh, Dave and Whitefish, did you have a quick question or comment? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, we've got state borders, state laws, state constitution, state legislature, you know, state police, et cetera, et cetera. And the several states, of course, are joined by the union. But in Article 1, Section 8, Paragraph 16, it says, and I quote, to exercise exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district not exceeding 10 miles square. 
So that indicates to me, and I've read this several times, that the federal government's jurisdiction is only over Washington, D.C. and the territories. So with all these states that are now getting behind Texas to protect the border, I see that, you know, that the federal government should have no jurisdiction whatsoever over any of the states. Well, you know, that that question aside, what they do clearly, what what states uh, states clearly have uh, constitutional authority to defend their borders. Uh, and, and I could play a clip from Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes where he gives specific citations. But let's go back in the interest of time to Congressman Ryan Zinke. Well, I, I do think the federal government does have uh, jurisdiction. Uh, typically, the state's rights uh, you know, also should should be adhered to. And, and let, let me, since uh, you quoted something, let, you know, and people say, well, does the president of the United States have authority? Let me read you something really quickly. It says, whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or any class of aliens in the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may, by proclamation, not by law, by proclamation, and for such period as he shall deem necessary to suspend entry of all aliens or class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants, or impose on the entry of aliens any restriction he may deem to be appropriate. Now, the President of the United States has full authority to shut down the border. We can give them laws to have to make sure that that is in law. But I can tell you, the president of the United States, this president, as President Trump did, shut, he, he has the authority to shut down the border. But he chooses not to. That's right. And He's got the resources, everything. Uh, last week at the SHOT Show, we're, we're less than a minute to go here, Congressman. Thanks again for the extended time. Last week at the SHOT Show, I got to see your friend, Congressman Mark Green, the chair of Homeland Security. He said to say hello, by the way, to you. Uh, they had just moved, the committee moved to impeach Mayorkas. Will the full House vote to finally impeach Mayorkas? Well, I know our half will. <laughs> I, can't, I can't speak for the full House, but, you know, also on the, on the border, my understanding is Chad Wolf is coming to Montana for the GOP kickoff. And Chad Wolf, of course, is the chair of the American First Policy Institute. Uh, and uh, and a, a former expert, obviously acting uh, secretary. So, on on the board, a few people uh, have a better knowledge and a, a better working knowledge of absolute fixes. Of He'll be great. He worked closely with you in the Trump administration, so that'll be great. All right, Congressman Zinke, thanks for the time. Uh, quick break. This is where Montana talks at with Lane Nordland. Well, as the cattle industry convention continues here in Orlando, Florida, a big report is coming out in conjunction with the cattle industry convention, that being USDA's cattle inventory report. It will shed light to the number of cattle that are outside feedlots and available for future placement as well. Mike McConnell is a USDA livestock analyst. We've been at a, uh, at a part in the, in the cattle cycle where inventories have been relatively tight, particularly with the high placements that we've seen. It'll be interesting to see the amount of cattle that are still remained uh, in the herd that haven't been placed and whether or not, and the implications that that has for the entire supply chain and prices for feeder cattle, as well as fed cattle and wholesale beef prices. It's also going to be interesting to see what's happening with heifers. We've seen a relatively high ratio of heifers being placed in the feedlots. Um, some of this might be due to weather conditions uh, and, and 
dryness that's taken place in some parts of the country. And some of them might be due to the fact that there have been strong uh, prices for feeder cattle, um, incentivizing producers to market their heifers for feedlots rather than retain them for breeding. So that's going to be an important indicator that we'll be paying attention to in the cattle report to get a sense of where the, the breeding herd is and the indications for cattle supplies, not just for this year, but for the next couple of years. That report comes out Wednesday afternoon. I'm Lane Nordblunt. This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. All right, uh, we've got another guest joining us here in just a second. I'm going to try to sneak in a couple more quick phone calls since we ran out of time in that first half of the program with Congressman Zinke. I'll try to sneak in a couple more quick phone calls, and then we've got a very interesting guest coming up after that. I uh, actually first read about this Bozeman-based uh, business in the Big Sky Business Journal hot sheet yesterday when we had when we had uh, uh, Dr. Pat Barkey from the University of Montana's Bureau of Business and Economic Research uh, on the program uh, giving us the economic update. He was rightfully singing the praises of Evelyn Pyburn in the Big Sky Business Journal, and, and, and it was her report where I, I found out about this company in Bozeman, which was really interesting. So stand by for that. Let me first uh, sneak on Ron and Big Fork. Uh, Ron, what did you want to share this morning? Yeah, it's getting to the point. I can't even watch uh, the news anymore, especially Fox News. Uh, what is the RNC, or what can the RNC do to uh, calm Nikki Haley down? I saw her on TV the other day just gloating with that big phony uh, smile about she was totally in accordance with that huge verdict against Trump. She's just crowing, crowing about that, and uh, she is really a, 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 a vile politician. She really is. And the second thing is, what is Ronna McDaniel doing? Is, is, she, is she just sitting on her butt, or uh, can't she keep these people uh, within certain guidelines not to attack each other? I, 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 I'm not that familiar with Washington like you are, but... Uh, this is really disturbing, Nikki Haley. Is well, I, I saw, saw some of the latest polling by uh, Fabrizio that came out this morning. He's the same guy that did the polling uh, showing Tim Sheehy up with a massive uh, lead in Montana, showing Nikki, or Nikki Haley getting massively defeated in her home state of South Carolina. And so, yeah, at some point, is she going to wait to lose in South Carolina or see the writing on the wall ahead of time? All right, Ron, thanks for the call. Let's sneak in another quick phone call. Rod and Whitefish. Rod, what did you want to share? Yeah, hey, Aaron. I'd like to know what Congress, and including Ryan Zink, you're doing about the NGOs that are supplying and abating all these people coming across our southern border. I've been looking at too many videos from reporters that are down in the Darien Gap and Panama and other areas, and they're showing people that are getting supplies from the American Red Cross. There's NGOs from Norway that are supplying them with materials. We also have seen uh, you know, people with basically a debit card that's being provided by the U.N., and who finances the U.N.? We are. And yet, no one mm-hmm. has even brought any of this up. How is it that somebody who's a, a you know a peasant from El Salvador or Ecuador can afford ten thousand dollars to pay off 
a coyote to bring them across the southern border. I mean, Good question. No, when no it comes, they... you're you're right to talk about these NGOs that are helping out, helping the illegals and helping the cartels basically uh, transport illegals into this country. They should be held criminally liable. They should be criminally held accountable for aiding and embedding this invasion. Uh, no, great point. Uh, all right. Hey, thanks for the call. Sorry, we got to make it quick, but uh, we do have our guest on the phone lines and, and I want to get to him. So uh, this was back. It was the very end of November, November 27th. And it was right before a big conference was taking place in Dubai in the United Arab, Arab Emirates back on December 3rd. And and uh, the founder of uh, the CEO of a company in Bozeman, Montana, MagDrive Technologies, was going to be one of the uh, key speakers uh, giving a presentation uh, at this big uh, conference that took place in Dubai back on December 3rd. And I was reading about this company. I was like, wow, that is very interesting. We've got Nick Runyon, who is the CEO of MagDrive Technologies. Nick, thanks for joining us on the show. I know we've been, we've been working for a couple months to get you on, so we're glad we finally made it happen. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So now, as I understand it, you and I, I should I should say this first up front to our listeners. I know are whenever the the term climate change comes up, you get people that are like, oh, great climate. So there's people who who, you know, if you just say the words climate change, they're, they're immediately they're like, oh, for Pete's sake. But no matter where you sit on the on the, the whole climate change debate, I, I find what your company is offering. I've got three oil refineries uh, right outside of our windows right now and what i see your company offering it sounds like some incredible technology yeah i'm happy to um be here and speak to that and you know leading in with the climate change note like you just did uh is perfectly fine with me because i think one thing that everybody agrees on is if there's stuff that's in a pipe that's supposed to stay in a pipe that's where we want to keep it um, you know, Montana is great because we have this right to a clean environment constitutionally. It's something I talk about a lot. And no matter where you stand or, or what you think about the climate change issue, and we can get into that if you like, um, we want to keep that stuff in the pipe. And that's what MagDrive does is, is we are the first zero emissions valve drive. Most people don't realize that, you know, for those refineries outside your window, 50% of the fugitive emissions that are coming off of those plants are coming from the valves, and the majority of that's from the valve stem. That's the problem that we solve. And so we think it's a great technology for, um, you know, energy transition, keeping these uh, plants operating, uh, just doing it more cleanly. Well, and I think of efficiency as well. So now you actually spoke, was it at, at one of the climate change summits? You were one of the speakers at an actual climate change. So one of the big international climate, was it COP28, I think, if I remember right? Yeah, it was COP28 hosted in Dubai. It was my first time attending that. It was a, uh, a great, interesting experience. Um, your listeners might know that that's a UN climate conference. It was in the news because, you know, hosted by Dubai is a big oil and gas producing country uh or i'm sorry the uae is the, the country rather yeah and uh you know some critiques about that but we were happy to be part of the conversation well so what i found fascinating about your about your business and i'll read the big sky business journal hot sheet here in a moment but uh, there's a company called G2IT, uh, Brian Siebel, an incredible company, and, you know, first reported on that several years ago. But basically what they said, and our friends that live out in oil and gas country, eastern Montana, the Bakken area, 
you know, you know what you'd see these they you'd see flaring where, OK, as you're pulling that oil out of the ground, you're also pulling out a lot of natural gas. And so so they sometimes they, they would have to flare and basically uh, light on fire that natural gas, that excess gas. I think it was a safety uh, deal. But what G2 did was they said, hey, we can capture that gas for you. And then what what a lot of people are doing is they're capturing that gas now and then they're using that gas to power their oil well and their and their drilling equipment, basically. So it's like, wow, that's great. So we're not flaring the gas where, like you say, we're keeping it in the pipes. Then we're then using it to power uh, the oil drilling that's taking place, that's great all around. And, and your company kind of reminded me of something similar to that. So the Big Sky Business Journal hot sheet says this, a company in Bozeman, MagDrive Technologies, has revealed that oil and gas refineries can reduce their emission footprint by 62% through the adoption of magnetically actuated valves. Uh, and so uh, let's see, uh, MagDrive says the technology will bring true zero emission components to industries like oil and gas, energy, nuclear, aerospace, and cryogenics. So uh, uh, I guess describe how this, how this uh, valve technology works. So the valve stem is the source of a lot of uh, the majority of leaks when it comes to valve components. The stem is that piece that goes from the valve body to the handle or to the actuator. And the reason why it leaks is because it's a dynamic seal. That post or the stem that's connected to, you know, the handle, which most people are familiar with, like on a kitchen faucet or, or a hose bib on the side of your house, that handle has to be connected to whatever's in the pipe to control the flow. Well, the packing and the, the materials that are uh, existing around that stem to keep gas and fluids in the pipe breaks down over time. All valves eventually leak. What we've done is we've sealed that valve stem in a solid wall chamber, and then we actuate or we operate the valve using a combination of magnetic arrays and gear reduction. So we can deliver maximum torque, you know, for any size valve, any kind of valve, uh, through this proprietary technology that we've developed. And actually, you mentioned cryogenics. Um, we got started on a project with NASA. Um, containing cryogenic helium years ago but a lot of our you know my co-founders and uh, members of our team come out of the oil and gas industry so we've been you know trying to tackle this this problem of uh, fugitive emissions in oil and gas and that's really where we're focused today no that's very interesting yeah because i think i I saw something on your website our producer saw something about uh, next generation spacecraft uh, propulsion so uh so are you still doing uh, some of that type of work as well is that kind of how you got started and then you thought wait a minute we've actually got a better opportunity over here well, I, you know, MagDrive technologies can be applied to any valve in any industry. I think as a small team, um, you know, we are moving from a research and development phase into a commercialization phase, trying to um, drive adoption of this product. So you have to focus. Yeah. And we're we're finding a lot of momentum and uh, interest in the oil and gas space, uh, which is why I was at COP, you know, talking about methane emissions and things like that. Very interesting. Tell you what, hold that thought if you can. Nick Runyon, uh, MagDrive te- uh, Technology, has got to take a quick break here, a shortest break of the hour. We'll come back to you right after this. And then I see we got a couple callers on the line we might sneak in at the end.
Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. Powered by the Montana Electric Cooperative Association. Your Montana Electric Cooperative. They do much more than keep the lights on for you. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right. Yeah, if we have time, I'll try to sneak in a a couple of uh, quick phone calls here before we wrap up the hour. Uh, But, yeah, I want to go back to Nick Runyon, CEO of MagDrive out of uh, Bozeman. And uh, I I caught up with him also during the break, and he said, yeah, when it comes to aerospace, uh, the aerospace players are reapproaching us, wanting to work with us some more. And then he says, uh, I also got some significant interest uh, in Dubai at that summit back in December. Nick, though, you were telling me, and, you know, I know tonight in Laurel, 6 p.m. at the Laurel City Hall, there's a public meeting uh, regarding the natural gas power plant there. Uh, but kind of your message to the the climate activist crowd is – Look, if you think we're doing away with oil and gas anytime soon, that's completely unrealistic. Uh, anyway, what did you want to share before we uh, run out of time? I, you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s being told at school that the world would run out of oil by the time I graduated college. And technology disrupts those trends. And that's, that's what we're seeing here again today, and that's what we're trying to do at MagDrive. It's unrealistic to immediately and suddenly move away from fossil fuels. But what we can do is we can make the production of those, the transportation, the use of those fuels much cleaner than they have been in the past. So that Laurel conversation one is one that I've been tracking very closely. I'm, I'm really interested in it, and we'd love to you know, be a part of a project like that because you can eliminate the escaping emissions from every valve stem and plants. Oh, that's right. And you could you could build it into the to the initial build instead of having it going in and, and having to retrofit things after the fact. You know, no, that's very interesting. Well, Nick, where do people find more if if there's some? And I mean, there's so many. Uh, what I what I loved about re- hearing about your story is there's so many businesses that are doing cool, crazy stuff, especially on the engineering front, that we as Montanans don't even realize how much crazy, cool research uh, that's being done with NASA and some of these other outfits that's being done right here in our backyard. So, but if there's some other businesses that want to team up with you, partner with you, whatever, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, I think our website's probably best, magdrive.tech, and uh, I just think there's some incredible things happening in this state. I've got a son that's going into the engineering program at MSU next year, and he's going to be one of those, uh, of the pool of great talent that we have in Montana. We're happy to be a part of it. That's right, and, and supported by that uh, great engineering program at Montana State University, that's for sure. All right, Nick, thanks uh, thanks so much for being with us here uh, this morning, and I would encourage people, hey, sign up for the Big Sky Business Journal hot sheet. I get it every Monday in my email inbox, and, and that's where you get all this great business news that for some reason you just don't find anywhere else these days. All right, uh, we got uh, just a few minutes left here in the hour. We've got a couple other uh, callers who want to weigh in on some of our earlier conversations. Uh, first up, uh, Mike in Bozeman. I, I mentioned the uh, the natural gas power plant in Laurel. There's a big public meeting at 6 p.m. at the Laurel City Hall tonight. And so certainly if you support that project, get out there because you know the opposition is going to be there. Mike, what did you want to share? Mike, is that you? Oh, no, that's okay. Uh, Mike's on a different line. All right. Sorry. So stand by. There we go. Mike, go ahead. Sorry. All right. Um, there's a scientific fact that is never mentioned as far as production of reliable electricity. And that is that from the time electricity was invented, 
other follow-on technologies such as medicines, bio- antibiotics, et cetera, and vaccines, et cetera, and the tools and uh, machine equipment that it takes to create refrigeration and the machinery that makes medicines, if we can only we can go back as recent as our great grandparents coming forward to our present age, and if any one of those grandfathers or any one of those grandmothers had been a different person because of failure to save someone's life from uh, with antibiotics or medicine, you the present day could have been a different person, different hair color, different IQ, could have been male instead of female or vice versa. And um, if you like the way you turned out, thank electricity for crying out loud. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. I mean, think about all so much uh, we have in this world and all because of electricity and affordable and reliable electricity and just power. I mean, just fossil fuels in general. Uh, great point. Thanks for the call. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got a caller. Uh, let's see. Uh, it, oh, Sean in Libby. Sean, what's on your mind? Thanks for the call. Yeah, good morning, Aaron. Uh, morning. Listening in, I want to thank Mecca from that research group uh, doing great work. That's good stuff. But uh, in tying in with that, question is, I'm a classic car collector. I just got a GTO 68, and uh, a lot of people out there want to have classic cars that they've invested in. A lot of investment in old cars, and if they do away with fuel, is the is the federal government going to be able to, or will they allow for a tax write-off on the collection of those vehicles if you can't drive them? So the uh, the government has to think about that of the uh, income loss of uh, people who who are, in, who are involved in classic car restoration and protection. And if, if they care about you, do you think they care about income loss? If they cared about income loss, they wouldn't have been driving up your interest rates. They wouldn't have been driving up inflation 20-plus uh, right. percent under Joe Biden and John Tester, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah I, was I, think... you'd, I was afraid you'd say that. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I don't think they will. So that's we, we just got to get America back. driving again. We got to get we got to get America first back in the driver's seat here, right? Uh, you fire up. Yeah, the... I mean, uh, you know, if a company can come out that could uh, let the, uh, the 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 average individual uh, develop their own fuel, uh, you know. Interesting. All right, we got to hold it there. Uh, sorry, we're out of time.